as we come together tonight, uh, we come from a lot of different places, a lot of different backgrounds, um, we're different people, but one thing that we all share in common is that we're sort of all going about this process of trying to discover what the world is, what's going on in the world, how to make sense of the world, and trying to find our place in the world. You know, like, what, what am I supposed to be doing here? Why am I here at Appalachian? Whether this is your first semester or your last semester, um, why, what am I supposed to be doing here? What am I supposed to do this semester? What am I supposed to do this summer? Uh, we're all asking, how, how should I feel about what's going on in the world? What's my place in the world? What should I do with my life? What should I do with my body? What should I do with my career, my passions, my, world, my words? Why is everything here, and how am I supposed to fit into this place that we call the world. And as we make friends, as we go on dates, as we go to class, as we apply for internships, as we apply for jobs, we're trying to make sense of the world. And we're trying to figure out what is my place in the world, what is my gifts, where do I belong? And as we try to make sense of the world and try to understand what is this place and what am I supposed to do in it, lots of different voices come along to help us understand the world and our place in it. And some thinkers will say things like, some of those voices will sound like, uh, we're machines built by DNA whose purpose is to make more copies of the same DNA. This is exactly what we're for. This is a really depressing quote, sorry. We're machines for propagating DNA, and the propagation of DNA is a self-sustaining process. It's every living object's sole reason for living. DNA neither cares nor knows. DNA just is, and we dance to its music. Okay? may hear voices come along and they say, the universe we observe has precisely the properties we should expect if there is at bottom no design, no purpose, no evil, no good, nothing but blind, pitiless indifference. Not a single one of the cells that compose you knows who you are or cares. Um, That's from a purely natural sense of trying to understand where we are in the world. And really... Unless a voice from outside us comes and speaks to us and tells us why we're here and what we're doing, that's our best guess. And tonight, um, what I want to do as we open up the first page of the Bible and we read it together, is I want us to hear another voice. I actually want to hear God speaking to us about what this world is and why we are here in it. And this is going to be weird And I understand this is going to be weird, so I just want to, hopefully we can enter into this weird moment together, especially those of you that I don't know. Um, If we're going to listen to a voice tonight that makes sense of who we are and why we're in this world, that's going to require our entire hearts and minds and imaginations and souls to be engaged if we really want to hear and make sense of God's voice. And I don't want to be weird or uncomfortable But I do want to be appropriate to what we're about to read. And so what I'm going to ask you to do and invite you to do, and you don't have to, um, is as I read this passage of Scripture, what I'm going to invite you to do is to close your eyes. Um, And as you close your eyes, so if you're cool with that, then close your eyes. And um, as you close your eyes, I want you to imagine that there is nothing. Um, because in the beginning there was nothing but God. I want you to imagine there's no movement, no sounds. Um, I know that's hard because you can hear my voice and you can feel your heart beating and you can hear your neighbor. But as you breathe in and out, 
I want you to imagine with your eyes closed that nothing exists. No space, no time, no sound, no movement. Nothing. And as you are there, I want you to hear these words. And I want you to imagine what this must look like. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void. And darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw that the light was good. And God separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning the first day. And God said, let there be an expanse in the midst of the waters, and let it separate the waters from the waters. And God made the expanse and separated the waters that were under the expanse from the waters that were above the expanse, and it was so. And God called the expanse heaven, and there was evening, and there was morning the second day. And God said, let the waters under the heavens be gathered together into one place, and let the dry land appear. And it was so. God called the dry land earth, and the waters that were gathered together he called seas. And God saw that it was good. And God said, let the earth sprout vegetation, plants yielding seed and fruit trees, bearing fruit in which is their seed, each according to its kind on the earth. And it was so. The earth brought forth vegetation, plants yielding seed according to their own kinds, and trees bearing fruit which is in which is their seed, each according to its kind. And God saw that it was good, and there was evening, and there was morning the third day. And God said, Let there be lights in the expanse of the heavens to separate the day from the night, and let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and years, and let, them be light, let there be lights in the expanse of the heavens to give light upon the earth. And it was so. And God made the two great lights, the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night and the stars. And God set them in the expanse of the heavens to give light on the earth, to rule over the day and over the night, and to separate the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening and there was morning the fourth day. And God said, let the waters swarm with swarms of living creatures and let birds fly above the earth across the expanse of the heavens. So God created the great sea creatures and every living thing that moves with which the waters swarm according to their kinds and every winged bird according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. And God blessed them saying, be fruitful and multiply and fill the waters in the seas and let birds multiply on the earth. And there was evening and there was morning the fifth day. And God said, let the earth bring forth living creatures according to their kinds, livestock and creeping things and beasts of the earth according to their kinds. And it was so. And God made the beasts of the earth according to their kinds, and the livestock according to their kinds, and everything that creeps on the ground according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. And God said, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of the earth and every tree with seed and its fruit. You shall have them for food and to every beast of the earth and to every bird of the heavens and to everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has the breath of life, I have given every green plant for food, and it was so. 
And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning the sixth day. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done. And he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. It's the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that tonight we open your word, and what we have is nothing less than you telling us what this world is, why it matters, and where, where we fit into it. And Lord, that's something that we're longing to understand. Lord, we, we want to see you. I thank you for everyone here, for the variety of backgrounds and life experiences and faith experiences that are here and Lord, ask that you would bless us as we open your word, as we talk about it, that we would get a glimpse of you, and so we would really know what it is to behold something that is beautiful, and we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Um, thank you for enduring that weird moment with me. Um, last week was syllabus day in most of your classes, right? On syllabus day, you show up, and you find out what is this class going to require of me? What kind of person is this teacher and what do they want to put me through in this class? What am I going to learn? How are they going to treat me? Can I trust them? Should I stick it out in this class? And this semester, up until spring break, we're going to be reading the the beginning chapters of the Bible, Genesis chapters 1 through 11. And really the beginning of Genesis is like the syllabus day of knowing God. It's when we come in and we go, um, If I'm going to journey with God, and I'm going to follow God through the wilderness that is my life, what is that going to be like? And that's important for us here. It's important for us to give our time to this, whether you're here and you're a Christian person or not. Um, Because it helps us to understand our place in the world. And God begins to answer that question of what is this world and where do I fit? By showing us that he created everything that exists. Everything that is seen and unseen, God created by speaking it into existence. And I don't want to spend a ton of time. I really just want to get across two things from this passage to you guys that I think are vital to understanding what it means to be a human in the world. And they're this. Because God created everything, then every created thing matters and every created thing is good. Because God created everything that is seen and unseen, everything matters and everything is good. Everything in the universe has value and significance, beauty, goodness, and weight. And so do you. So first, everything matters. Because God created the universe, everything is full of significance. Moses, who's the person that wrote the book of Genesis, he really easily could have said, you know, in the beginning, God created everything, and it was, and then moved on to what was next. And to say, in a catch-all statement, God just created everything, and that would be it. But he takes the time in a very beautifully poetic way, and part of the reason why I wanted us to really sit and, and, and walk through that passage together is because he really unfolds bit by bit that God didn't just, like, speak everything and it existed, But he carefully, one by one, created with care and significance everything that existed. What strikes me is how much God cared and took the time to create everything in its own. Light and darkness. 
water and land and sky. They didn't just come together at the same time. He created them individually. Plants and trees and vegetation, birds, everything that swarms in the waters of the oceans and the lakes and the rivers and all the animals that walk on the earth. And the crown jewel of God's creation, we're going to look at this next week. We're going to spend our time next week talking about uh, how God created humans and what it means to be a human. Um, But the crown jewel of that thing he created was humans, which he made in his image. And each piece of creation was made with creative intentionality by God. Nothing just existed. Everything was crafted on purpose. And the question that I want us to begin to, to, to work through at the beginning of the semester, as you start new classes, as some of you are living in a new place, is how do you handle the things that God has created? Do you handle the things in your life, your body, the people that you know, the space that you live in, the university that we're part of, our town, our resources? Do you handle those things with significance as if they were created and crafted? Uh, We have tons of bowls in our house that we got for our wedding, and they're all just white bowls. And we have these two bowls that that some former students' parents made for us. The the dad was a potter, and he made these two uh, bowls. And they are radically different in significance to us. One was handmade by someone for us, and in the bottom of the bowl, it is etched Chris and Sarah Jane, June 8, 2008. Um, They are different because they were crafted, and we handle them differently. My children know to handle them differently. What I want you to imagine, um, as we talk about significance, and what does it mean that the world is, everything matters, is uh, imagine that you were walking through two houses. Okay. And the first house that you walked through um, was a house where people had lived there, but they had left. They had, it had been abandoned. And you know how it gets if you've ever walked through an abandoned house. Like, nature starts to take over the house a little bit. And uh, let's, you know, as often happens, animals will get in. They kind of mess things up, right? And so imagine you're walking through this house, and animals have been in there. And the people's things were still there, but you didn't know them. And so you walk through, and it's interesting to see, oh, what animal knocked this thing over. Or, oh, they had this kind of wallpaper or... Um, you know, you, and you observe the kitchen and the bedrooms with some degree of, of interest. Now I want you to imagine, uh, and some of you guys know this feeling, um, but imagine you didn't know your father, okay, that you grew up and you never knew your father, um, and you receive a call that he has died, that he's passed away. And so you, you travel to the city that he was living, and it's the day after he's passed, and someone meets you and they take you to his house. <laughs> because you didn't know your father, right? Because you so you're having trouble with the connection. Um, isn't it weird that like a that's not a person that just spoke, but it was like a person. It's so weird to me also. Um, and so imagine that you showed you didn't know your father, but you find yourself walking through this person's house, who they were just there the day before, and they were living there and having their life there, right? And as you walk through the house and you notice the silverware drawer and how it's laid out, and you notice how the clothes were folded, and what books are on the shelf, right? The brand of toothpaste, you know, all these minor things. But to you, they all mean something. They all have overwhelming significance. And wouldn't you be curious and attentive to the keychains? like on your dad's key ring that hung by the door, or the magnets on the fridge, or the mail on the counter, 
You would have passed those by in the first house. But in this house, they all have significance. Both homes might be similar. Both have been acted on by someone. They might have the same floor plan. Both contained objects of interest. Um, But while the one says something about some people and some natural processes and some animal, the other says everything. It says everything about who you are, about where you come from. And my friends, everything that exists on this earth, in this town, in the universe, and in the cosmos, everything that exists was intended and fashioned by God. The God who calls himself your father, the God who created you to know him, he fashioned it all. And so it all matters. Take your major, for, for example. I'm not going to hit everybody's major, so it's not like a personal thing. Um, but, you know, business majors. Uh, business majors matter. Like you're, what you're studying matters because how we steward God thing, God's things and how we do commerce with each other and how we share resources obviously matters if God created everything. Education majors. The world is full of wonder. Um, wonders to explore. And we need you to teach us how to learn about those things. Not just because they exist, but because God fashioned them for our imaginations. Uh, If you're studying art or music, uh, how will we understand the depth and the beauty of all things if you don't make work to help us understand them? Uh, For SD majors, sustainable development majors, our planet is significant enough because God created it to steward it well. That's part of what we were created for. Social work majors, the world is full of resources for, for, for the people on it, and everyone deserves access to that. And you help ensure access to those resources. So what you're studying matters. If you're an English or a communications or a journalism major, your words, you know, words are powerful. There was nothing. Only God. There was no time. There was no matter. And God spoke everything into existence just by talking. And that means that our words are unbelievably significant and weighty. And God created all things by speaking. If you're a biology or exercise science or one of the pre-med majors, look, our bodies were created by God down to their smallest bits. And they're significant. If you're a poli-sci major, look, if people and lands matter, then how we govern them matters. Math. (laughs) I know there's a couple of math majors in the room. Um, It's always the the major that gets the most respect from me. Um, There's an inherent order to the creation, and math shows us that. Rec management, the world was created to be enjoyed. I could go on and on. What you're studying matters because God created the heavens and the earth by the word of his power. Everything is significant and meaningful. Everything matters and everything is good. Um, After... The things that God created one by one after the days when God would add something new, he would create light and darkness. He would create you know, the sky and, the, and the, the, the water. He would create the lands from the water and the animals and all that. After each of those things, he sort of steps back. It's in verse 4, verse 10, verse 12, verse 18, 25, more than that. God steps back after he says, let this thing be. And then he goes, that's good. He says, in verse, in verse 4, God saw that the light was good, right? 
Verse 10, God, God called the dry land earth and the waters that were gathered together he called seas and God saw that it was good. Everything he steps back from it and he declares on it and looks at it and says, that thing is good. That thing is good. Um, because the world doesn't just exist in some neutral state. Things aren't just sort of neutrally out there and how we use them determines their value. God declares definitively that everything is good. Now, in two weeks, what we're going to do in RUF is we're going to talk about what happened. Why is it the case if everything's good? Why are things seemingly so broken? We're going to talk about that. We're going to get there. But at the core of all things, everything that's created, and that means you too, is inherent goodness. It's functional. Things are beautiful. Things work correctly like the work of a master. I love Louis Armstrong. Uh, big Louis Armstrong fan. I feel like Louis Armstrong really embodies like the joy of American music. Like if you want to understand like American music in its fullness of joy, listen to, to Louis Armstrong, uh, the jazz um, singer and trumpeter. But uh, and you probably know his song uh, "What a Wonderful World," right? And uh, that song grips me every time I hear it, and I'm deeply moved because every time I hear him singing that song, I imagine God singing that song over the creation when He made it. You know, he, and he, he says, like, I, I, I see uh, skies of blue and, and clouds of white, the bright blessed day, the dark sacred night. And literally what Moses is showing us here is that God sings over that, and I think to myself, what a wonderful world. God created everything, the heavens and the earth, out of his celebration and delight. Because he is good. When you go see a work of art, my wife and I went to New York over the summer, and we went to the, the MoMA, the Museum of Modern Art, Modern Art, and I was gripped by some Frida Kahlo paintings that were in there, because it's kind of hard not to. If you're going to look at some Frida Kahlo paintings, you can't just, like, just, just walk away. Like, oh, that was interesting. Um, because it's not just that Frida Kahlo made those paintings. It's that in some way, those paintings contain Frida Kahlo. And to, to experience those paintings is to experience her. In the same way, what God says is, my creation is good, and I delight in the world. And to know it in some beautiful and meaningful way is to know me. Because God loves the world. He delights in the world. And God so loved the world that he sent his son to be with us. It's not just like, you know, if you get into the New Testament and the book of John... He says in John 3, 16, that God so loved the world that he gave his only son. That whoever should believe in him shouldn't perish but have everlasting life. What John doesn't say is God so loved people. Of course, God does love people. He loves people more than anything else in the creation. But he says God loved the world. He was committed to this place that he made. So committed that the God who spoke such a wonderful world into existence became a part of the world when it got broken. God the Son, the Lord Jesus, became a little baby in the womb of a young woman. And in the womb, he held the universe together by the word of his power. He entered into the world. Um, his feet touched the ground, the, the, the actual ground. And his hands touched our faces, the faces of people just like us. And the words that, he, that the Lord Jesus spoke to ordinary people were the same words that he spoke to call everything into existence. And that means this. If Jesus speaks to you, and he's inviting all of us to know him, to, for him to speak to us, as, as Kate was telling us so beautifully, that we can speak 
with the Lord Jesus and he will converse with us. When he speaks to us, that means he gives us life. And he's inviting us in to know him and to know him through this word. And we're going to study it this semester. And God made the world and God made you. And that means that you are significant. And that you are good. You have goodness in you. And he sent the Lord Jesus to recover those things in you that are good and to make you more and more beautiful. And really, I didn't want to say much, but I just wanted to say that as as you face the uncertainty of this semester, and as you face the uncertainty of what lies beyond after this semester, and you're thinking to yourself, can I follow this God? It's syllabus day, right? Will I go with him through that wilderness after graduation? Will I follow him with my mind and my body and soul? You can trust this God. Because he created all things. And it's a wonderful world. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you um, that you love the world and that you lived in the world and that you are now alive in heaven and you come to dwell in our hearts by faith. And Lord, we're going to look at all that. We're going to see what that means. But Lord, now, as we begin this semester together in RUF, we just ask that you would stir in us a sense of the significance of ourselves and of the world and of our neighbor and the goodness that is throughout your creation and that through that, we would, Lord, we would be amazed at you and your power and we would be drawn to you when we pray in Jesus' name.